Hello, and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm one of your hosts, Yardina Osman, here with my friend and Chavruta Ann Gordon. Our daf today, Masaf Masachim, daf Kuf Yud, page 110. This is a really unusual daf, and I think maybe, I'm going to guess, even though we're really only in year two of our daf Yomi, um, probably I think will be one of the more difficult dafim, not because of the concept, but because of the content. I'm really going to start on the page before, because really, the uh, what this whole daf talks about, which is this concept of zugot and its relationship to demons, really begins on the previous page. Our Mishnah uh, that we quote here is below right? That we have to make sure that when we have poor Jews, we must give them at least four uh, cups worth of wine. And the Gemara now asks what to them is at least a fundamental question. Right? How could Chazal, how could Rabbanan establish this? Because you would expose yourself to sakana, to danger. Bahatanya, we learned in a brisa, lo yechel adam tre, velo yishtet tre, velo yikanech tre, velo yatzet srachav tre. Right? A brisa teaches us a person should not eat in pairs, meaning don't eat an even number of food items. So, like, don't take two cookies, go ahead and take three. Or you shouldn't drink pairs of cups, right? <laughs> or you should not wipe himself with pears, or you should not attend to his sexual needs in pears. Um, and the concern here is, is that as you see from later on, that uh, you will be exposed to demons. There's something that happens when we do things in pairs. Now, and when you and I were preparing this, I said, well, it's so interesting because I feel like more people are attracted to even numbers. And you were like, no, I'm not so sure about that. Um, but I always feel like people tend to like things even. But again, Anne's not sure that she feels that way about it. So maybe my inclination about this is not true. <laughs> but there seems to be something about there being pairs. I did see one interesting commentary in the bottom of the art scroll, um, which talked about that maybe the the idea behind this is is sort of, uh, you know, it's against the idea of dualism, right? That we really always want to assert sort of the oneness of God, that we're a monotheistic uh, people. And when you do things in twos, that's kind of like, if you're, if you like monotheism, you don't like twos. So that's why we don't like to do anything in pairs. And so specifically in terms of how this relates to Seder night, what do you do about the fact that you're going to have four cups? So it's an even number or two pairs, two sets of two. So Rav Nachman says, no, we know Seder night is called Leil Shimurim, right? That's a pasuk from Shmod Perik Yudvet Pasuk Membet chapter 12, verse 42, right? It's a night of watching. We say that Leil HaSeder has sort of these type of mystical or special, your God is really watching you on that night. But here, Rav Nachman is saying that it's a night that remains guarded, basically. We don't need to worry about demons or harmful spirits, and there's no concern that you couldn't eat that way. And then essentially what goes on for basically the next, all of Kuf Yud, is this really deep four, six, maybe if you get a 10, it's okay. Um, you know, where does it apply? Um, it gives stories about things that happened, right? We have the story about uh, Ravdimi uh, from Naharda, who was careful about pears, that he wouldn't write it on like a barrel. And there was an incident where pears, you know, somehow he wrote, had some kind of, notation on it and you know then the barrel burst and there's just the detail and the level of discussion about this is actually 
uh, quite honestly, it's quite astounding. And even to the point that uh, after that, you know, there's even a story furthermore uh, with Rabdimi that says, Ki ata Rabdimi, this is an Amud Bet, Amar, so Rabdimi came from Eretz Yisrael to Babel, and he said that thinking about, you know, or, or regarding two eggs, two nuts, two cucumbers, and another matter, right? And we're not sure exactly what this other matter is. It's a halacha l'moshe misinai, right? What's the halacha l'moshe misinai? That these are dangerous in pairs, right? Umistap kaluhu l'ravanan. But the rabbis were basically uncertain. My nin hu davar cher. What were? What was the other matter? Ugezor rabbanan bechulu zuge mishum davar cher. They didn't know what this other pair was. So, in other words, because there was this misora that it was specifically, it started off as as two eggs, two nuts, or two cucumbers, and there was one other two, and nobody could remember exactly what that other two was. But it's halacha lemoshe misinai, meaning this is a tradition that we got when the Torah itself was actually given. Chazal therefore made a decree that all twos are not going to be considered to be good. Um, you know, I think very often when we read these types of things, like we talked about this when, you know, we had the doc uh, the other week about, you know, how big the world is. And, and there was a lot of, you know, um, astronomical calculations. Uh, you know, we're sort of willing to say like, OK, they did with what they could observe. And maybe we knew more now. But here there is like really a real belief in demons. I do know that there are Jews who still actually believe in these things. Um, and I don't know. I personally don't have a big issue believing in this. Like, I think there is a spiritual or some piece of the world that maybe we can't see or we are not particularly attuned to. I actually am a little bit of a superstitious person. Um, and I always wonder, these are the types of things, like if you do believe it, maybe it's real. If you don't believe it, it's not real. Um, but it's a very fascinating doc, obviously dissertation worthy. Um, I don't know that I have like great insight into it, but I think just to see how they get out of it for Leil HaSeder by saying it's Leil Shimurim and the idea in Amud Bet that this is really Halacha Lemosha Misenai. This is not something that Chazal just made up, but this is like a real belief is fascinating. So I am, um, so two things, three things, several things. First of all, um, there's this great line. I feel like I've even said this on the podcast before, meaning back in Brachot, I think, right? That the idea that um, there were demons and then the Rambam said there were no demons because he was a rationalist. And from that moment on, there were no more demons, which is of course kind of the quintessential, you know, apply the Rambam to everything in life type of thing. Um, I want to mention that this whole study of demons, right? Demonology, we can call it, right? Uh, deserves a whole lot of attention that goes beyond this stuff and beyond this podcast. Um, in preparing for this, right, I found Rav Natan Slifkin, who is known as the zoo rabbi, right? Um, has a, on, I don't know, I think I saw it first accessed via his blog, but he's got a whole long 30 page monograph on demons, zootorah.com slash backslash ras rationalist Judaism backslash demons.pdf meaning there is what to read about there is what to learn about this and he has a whole long inclusion of this question of pairs as being a problem I have no problem accepting that there's plenty behind you know that we don't see that we don't know what's going on uh, in a metaphysical sense because there's so much that we accept like the moment you accept Judaism you accept 
monotheism, right? Then there's going to be uh, be that which is beyond human comprehension. So that is easy enough for me to under- accept the phenomenon of demons and the superstitions that arise and how we conduct ourselves because of demons a little bit harder, um, except for that I will accept, you know, I think it's important to recognize that there really was a whole, a whole, you know, what, like a literature out there, so to speak, about this. And I would say that when I was preparing, the other thing that I came across, which I thought was interesting, it's the kind of the uh, to moving away from demons or uh, a recognition of what's a problem with pairs. Uh, there was a rep- representation, I guess, of Shimon and Levi, right? The sons of Yaakov, who then went and slaughtered the city of Shechem. And, you know, Yaakov's blessing to them at the end of his life is not exactly um, chill or cheery. Uh, he kind of rebukes them. And the idea is, that, I think this point is that there's, the two of them, you know, end up egging each other on, so to speak. And that the theory that I was, I don't know, I guess exposed to suggested that if there had been a third voice there, right, a, a third person, an odd number, then perhaps the same way that we have an odd number in the context of Sanhedrin, right? When we have a court, we have three on the court or 27 on the court or 71 on the court. It's never an even number. So you can never have really a hung jury because there will always be one last voice to have to take sides. But there's something to be said for the idea of an odd number, um, ironically enough, um, establishing the balance, right? As opposed to uh, where perhaps even numbers, either you end up with everybody being on equal sides or, or as I said, you know, even if they're on the same side, but then they're egging each other on in a way that is not necessarily healthy. And this is all drusha, right? Meaning at the end of the day, the Gemara is very clear about the about these particular numbers. I just want to uh, look a little bit at the Gemara on I'm a bet. Um, before you do that, we I have here a story thing. again I, about these numbers, the pairs. I just want to say one thing there. Um, it's really interesting. Like I can't emphasize enough. Like the Rambam really rejects this. Like he's really comfortable to say that. Like what? There's no such thing as demons. And I just find it interesting because I do think like we are we live a little bit in a culture where certain segments of Judaism want to say like everything in the Talmud has to be real, has to be true, true. And it's, you know, that's not true. That's not always been the historical approach to Talmud. And like you said, you know, you're a rationalist. You're just going to dismiss this page. You're going to say this can't actually be true. Or it has to mean something else, right? I don't know that the Rambam ever dismissed the the text, right? He just dismissed the ideas as, you know, if you accept that certain aspects of the Gemara cannot be true, right? We don't accept spontaneous generation. We know about, you know, germs, right? We know about bacteria. We know that there are certain things in the Gemara that are, that were presented within the limits of the knowledge that they had in that day. And that doesn't mean that we need to go back to that kind of science when we have this much more of an advanced understanding. So I feel like the Rambam, that's that's my understanding of how he is able to reject things because he says like, no, this doesn't make sense because he's a rationalist. It doesn't make sense. And he's got a different understanding right. for that. Like in phenomenon. some passages, what the not, Rambam, you know, I don't know whether he was in favor of. No, pairs. but like, for right. I'm not talking about the pairs, but like, I know there's uh, the Rambam talks about that. I think sometimes like this bad spirit could really be like a mental state. Like it could mean melancholy or something like that. Again, I don't know what he does specifically with the pairs. I actually couldn't find anything which leads me to believe maybe the Rambam kind of just doesn't address it because it really doesn't fit into the Rambam <laughs> scheme. But go ahead with what you wanted to read right. there. With telling. Okay, we just have another little story, really. There's a man who divorced his wife. 
she goes and she marries a, a shopkeeper. And one the thing that he sells, as we're going to discover, is wine. And every day, the first husband, meaning who's no longer her husband, would go and drink wine in that shop. This is a little incestuous little town. Uh, the Gemara says that basically she, this, his ex-wife, who's married now to the shopkeeper, would perform witchcraft on him. The word is kishuf, kishafim, upon him. And then uh, it would not be effective, lo mahanya, it wouldn't be effective for her with regard to him, because he was careful with regard to pears, so whatever mischief she was trying to exert upon him was not effective, right? The 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 this story is so short and so not enough detail, and yet so so much to unpack that we're not going to have time to do it even. But I just wanted to bring it, you know, in this context of if you're going to accept the idea that pears are problematic and the idea that being careful with pears can be pears rather can be protective, then the idea that a woman would have it in for her ex-husband and then he's protected against her. Like, again, there's just so much to think about here. Anyway, Yom Achad, the Gemara continues, one day, Ishtituva, he, one day he drank a lot or too much. He didn't even know how much he drank. So what did he do? Before this, he was being careful with pears, how much he would drink. He's not talking about Leil HaSeder where it's Leil Shimurim and the four cups, right? This is regular drinking, just getting inebriated. He drank 16 cups. He was clear and, and lucid, and he was very careful about himself. But then after that, he, he was far gone, right? After the 16 cups of wine. Shocker. And so then what happened is, because he's no longer, he's a little bit too drunk, right? He's not lucid. He's not being careful of himself. And so then the claim is here that she causes him to leave after a pair, right? Meaning as opposed to after an odd number, after an even number, and then, so fine. So he's now left after a pair. And as he walks away, or as he walks anyway, an Arab meets up with him. This is This is a dead man who walks here. This is, you know, what you're doing here is, is not okay. It says the is a, he goes and he hugs a palm tree. Dikla is a, a date tree, a date palm. He hugs the palm tree. The palm tree dries out because there was witchcraft involved, and he burst. I don't understand this at all. Meaning, I recognize that I don't understand it. But the idea here is that somehow he dies. The palm tree that he was leaning on also dries up. And the implication is that all of this was done against him, right, with witchcraft. And because he ended up being not careful with pears because he'd gone too far in his drink and she was able to kind of kind of swoop in and take advantage of all that. Um, so I'm going to leave it here, right, for food for thought. The Gemara does, does continue along. And the question of, you know, the question of whether there's danger in pears is a is even an, the next step, right? Like how how much can you be worried about there being danger simply because the thing that you did, whether it was drinking or any of the other items that your danger that you already mentioned, that you do it in pairs, and now have you opened yourself up to risk? The Gemara takes this very very seriously. Oh yeah, they definitely take it seriously. And again, the stories are really interesting here, and they really believe this story to be true. I mean, I think this story, you know, it's more about sorcery. 
Um, and we'll talk a little bit about more of this tomorrow because tomorrow then gets moves off of pairs and moves a little bit more into other things that we're suspicious of. And I think here they're saying it was less an element of pairs and more an element of that this woman practiced some type of sorcery. But again, I, I, I think there is a real belief that there are some sort of magical or mystical powers that some people harness, some people choose to ignore. Um, and I think that also just shows like people sort of either are in tuned or not in tune to different parts of life. And there's not necessarily, but I guess the question I leave with is, if you're a person who is in tune to this stuff, does that mean it's really part of your life and really real? And if you're a person who isn't, does that mean this type of thing doesn't actually affect you? That's our daft discussion for the day. Thank you for joining us. Rank us for viewers where you get your podcast. Come talk to us on our Facebook page and tell us what you think about demons and pairs and even numbers and odd numbers. Thank you to Rebbe Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hydran website. And until tomorrow, go and learn.